Good morning, church. It's my joy to um, lead you in prayer this morning and turning our eyes towards Jesus. This was just as I was praying about um, what to pray for this morning. Um, I just feel a sense of continuing to praise him. So often we ask God for things, we pray for other people, we pray for ourselves, but this morning we're just going to praise him and turn our eyes towards him. And as I was thinking about this, I was um, thinking, well, why do we praise God? Oh, please have a seat, by the way. Why do we praise God? Does God need a big ego boost? No. Do we praise God because we're feeling joyful and happy? Yes, sometimes, but no, not particularly. And so this morning, wherever you are, whether you're in a joyful place, when you're in a place of struggle, uh, we can turn our eyes towards Jesus and towards God in praise because it changes our perspective on our position right now. So... Um, I'm going to leave a bit of a time somewhere in the middle for you to join, um, to, to pray your own prayers, either out loud or in your hearts. So don't be fearful of the silence. Speak out if God's calling you to speak out loud. Pray in your heart. If you're at home, pray too. Spend that time to add your own praise to him. So please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the creator of heavens and earth. And, Father, we just come before you wherever our heart is at, whether it is uh, full of praise for you right now or whether it's feeling a bit heavy. Lord, we just come before you praising you for who you are and what you have done. Lord, we praise you for your faithfulness. We praise you that you are um, unchanging. You are the same from beginning to end, and there is no end, Lord. We praise you, Lord, for your um, all-powerful nature, your all-knowing nature. Father, we praise you um, just for your graciousness, for your mercy, for your deep, deep love for us. Father, just as we turn our eyes to you, it changes how we see our life right now. Because you are great, you are awesome, mighty and powerful. And Father, we just spend a moment now giving praise to you in each of our hearts, out loud or quietly. Lord Jesus, you are the mighty Saviour. Thank you, Father, for who you are, for what you do in our lives Thank you that you are the enabler, the provider, and we just give you praise for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for leading us in prayer and in worship. Kathy, it's wonderful to see so many uh, gifts working and functioning in the life of the church. Really, really wonderful to see. just want to, just before I begin this morning, uh, honour and thank someone, and that is Jim Winkle here, has been uh, working hard out the back, uh, putting up a fence for our young people so that we can start using out the back for our, our little toddlers that they can play out there safely. And uh, Jim's doing a wonderful job. He's, he's not the youngest man in here, but yet yeah, he's out there with a crowbar digging holes through rock. Um, and on Friday, just as just as it's leaving time, 
Uh, it puts a crowbar through a pipe, and we had water going 30 metres in the air, didn't we? It was fun time. Um, so <laughs> we're actually putting a call out. If anyone's got experience in repairing pipes, um, can you come and see me afterwards? Because we'd love to be able to repair that. Um, oh, Trevor's, Trevor's been given the call. There he goes. <laughs> Two daughters called his name out. I love it. Fantastic. You've been, you got, you got the prize, my friend. Um, that'd be great to see that repaired because it goes right where the fence goes over and they want to get on with the work. So thank you, Trevor. <laughs> 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 ah, wonderful. Um, well, uh, this morning, Pastor Bill Vasilakis was supposed to be uh, coming and sharing a word with us this morning, uh, but he is unwell and unable to come, but he sends uh, his love to us. Uh, he wants to uh, sh- say that he's uh, wishing us well. He really wanted to come and encourage us. He loves uh, going around to all of our Christian family Center churches and encouraging us in uh, word and just being here. Um, so last night I, I pulled together <laughs> something, but it's okay. I had a, had a, a word for next week, so I've just pulled that uh, front uh, and centre for today. So we are currently in a series that we are calling Love Where You Are At. Love Where You're At. And last week uh, we, we spoke about um, the great commandment that Jesus said, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbour as yourself. And as we're loving God with everything that we are for all that he's done for us, as we've, we've spoken about this morning and sung about, that love just overflows in our hearts. And we're able to then, the, the second command, to go out and to love those around us. And last week we talked about the word that Jesus used for neighbour actually means neighbour. And sometimes we, we try to, to love everyone and forget those who are, are actually right next to us. And God's actually um, placed us and uh, providentially given us uh, our home and our, our boundaries where we are to actually influence those who are on our doorstep and, and to, to love them with the love that he has given us. And this week, um, we're going to continue that, that theme of, of loving. What does it mean to love those around us? But to start with, if I was to mention the name Nobel, what comes to mind for you as I, I mention that name? The prize. Ah, dynamite. Very good. That's where I'm going. Thank you. Uh, most people think Nobel, no, Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, it's interesting how... Uh, he started out in his life. He was an inventor. He had patents for all sorts of things, and one of them was dynamite. He invented dynamite. But an interesting happened in interesting thing happened in Alfred Nobel's life. Uh, his brother Ludwig uh, was uh, passed away, and by mistake, I don't know if you know this, but by mistake, the French newspaper printed an obituary for Alfred, uh, not his brother. And in essence, the newspaper basically said he made millions by creating weapons of mass destruction and annihilated mankind. Uh, in fact, one, uh, one newspaper said uh, the inventor of um, destruction is dead. Um, and 
Alfred read this newspaper article about himself and he was profoundly impacted. And he thought, what life am I living as I reflect on who I am, on the gifts I have and and what I'm about? Is this the legacy I want to leave? And that mistake by a French uh, newspaper changed his life. And, of course, we know the rest of of the history. He used uh, his money, his gifts, to then be working for peace and brought about the Nobel Peace Prize. And as we think about that story of uh, Alfred Nobel, I wonder if we might reflect on that ourselves. As we look at our own lives and the way that we live, have we ever taken time to assess the impact that we have on the lives of those around you? Do we have a sense of destiny, that we were created to leave a powerful legacy on not only our immediate family but those with whom we we meet every day? And sometimes as I I think about that and I'm, I'm challenged by that, straight away what comes to mind is perhaps Um, some blockages to perhaps living out the life that God calls each and every one of us to live. And you might be thinking that right now. You might be thinking, I'm not a a Nobel Prize person. I'm not an inventor. I'm not a a world changer. What what difference can I make? I want to say to you this morning, and and this is basically the take-home message, that you can make a difference in the world. Each and every one of you can make a difference in the world around us. We may not be world leaders, we may not be history makers, but we have the opportunity and the potential and the gifting to make a difference, not only uh, in our local neighbours, but in our workplaces, uh, in the organisations that we're part of, in the uh, circle of friendships that we find ourselves in. You have the opportunity to make a difference, each and every day. And as we think about loving where you're at, uh, our vision for this year is to be reaching out into the community to be bearing fruit. As we take the love that God has placed in our hearts, as as we look to Jesus, as we turn our eyes to him and we're amazed at all that he has done for us, that love transforms us and that love motivates us and that love enables us to then love as Christ has loved us. And we love because God first loved us, says in Scripture. And so we don't love with an effort or a a striving, but we love in a response to what he has done for us. And it takes away that burden and that that thought of, I've got to do it, you know, this obligation, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. No, it comes out of just living, out of the love that God has poured into our hearts, it says in Romans. As God pours his love into our hearts, that overflows and enables us to reach out. And so I want you to know this morning that you can make a difference. That you can make a difference. Not just in the person next to you, but in the spheres of influence around you. You might have heard of that phrase. It's been um, making its uh, name in, in society, spheres of influence. And what's really meant by that is uh, each and every one of us have um, these spheres, these places in which we go, in which we meet, in which we're able to influence. And as we look around the room this morning, 
we have, how many people would be here? 70 spheres of influence that go out from here. In fact, um, uh, society has talked about, oh, that's right, I've got my own little thing. See if it works. Um, Society has talked about that there be um, spheres of influence uh, that influence our culture and our society. And that's not going to work, Dave. Maybe the batteries aren't working. Oh, it's off. That would be why. There we go. All right, so here we've got the seven spheres. Uh, Some people call it the pillars. Um, Experts might call it the mountains of of influence in our in our society that shape our culture. We've got the arts and entertainment. Uh, we've got business. We've got religion, education, family, the media. It's a big one. <laughs> Politics and government. And these are, are what experts are calling the things that shape our culture around us. And they are the the spheres of of influence on our culture. And as we look down that list, uh, many in this room uh, would be, whether it be perhaps in business or I know we've got many teachers in education, uh, many of of you are staying home and and bringing up your kids in your family. And as I look at that uh, list, if these are the things that are shaping culture, how is we as a church uh, influencing those areas of influence? Uh, particularly as we think about politics and government right now, um, how, how are we as a church empowering and enabling those who are Christians in politics to be making a difference, Christians in media to be making a difference, uh, people in business to be making a difference for him? So you might not have thought about that, that you predominantly operate in one of these areas, one of these spheres. But this is, this is the big picture sphere. I actually want to personalise it today and talk about our own personal spheres of influence. I want to tell you that you can make a difference not only in these spheres, but in the sphere that God has placed you in. Um, you see, not everyone is called to work in a church. Not everyone is called to be in number three. Many of us are called into business. Many of us are called into perhaps politics or into the arts. And we want to be empowering and enabling people to live out their faith in those those places. But not everyone is called to be in the church. We are called to love where we are at. Where we are at to live out, to interact, to converse, to put faith into our spheres of influence. I want to take you to a passage uh, in Acts chapter 16, and it's where um, Paul and Silas are taken to jail uh, for living out the gospel, and the jailer has done the right thing. He's locked them behind bars. And Paul and Silas are sitting there singing hymns uh, as they're in jail. That's what you would do, wouldn't it? You'd be doing that. Be singing hymns and, and praises to God, uh, living out their faith in their sphere of influence. And the and 
at about midnight, there's an earthquake and the, the, the doors go open and the jailer fears for his life because it's his job to keep them in, in jail. And if the doors are open and all the prisoners run away, he's going to have his you know head chopped off. So he's worried. And, and Paul goes, don't worry, we're all here, it's okay. Uh, we haven't gone anywhere. And the jailer is amazed by this. And, and he calls out, and, he, and, and because of the influence of Paul and Silas, singing hymns, it's had an effect on, on his life. He is aware of who they are and, and what they're about. Can't mistake it, undeniable. And then this amazing experience happens of this earthquake and he goes, oh, obviously, God is real. And he, and he turns to them and he says, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And, and they replied, Paul and Silas, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It's pretty simple, isn't it? How must we be saved is to simply believe in Jesus. And I want to put that out there to perhaps anyone this morning who maybe hasn't put your faith in Jesus, who doesn't feel like that they have been saved. And you might be asking the question, what must I do to be saved? Simply put, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others of his house. Now, I bring that up because the word household there uh, is a Greek word. Philia might tell me off for pronouncing it wrong. Ekios. Is that right, Philia? Oh, she's looking at me blankly. Ekios, which means household. And it's translated household. But basically, the, the premise is everybody who is under the covering of the roof of the, of the home. Now, we would know in, in ancient times that that wouldn't have just been the nuclear family, not just the mum, the dad and the kids. But the household back then included the slaves who were part of it, the workers who lived there, perhaps relatives, older relatives who were part of it. So anybody who was under the covering of the roof or part of that complex was is is an ikios is a household and so we all have our own ikios we might not even own a house but we have influence in the people around us including our family our friends our work colleagues the people we are in uh, business with people we associate with daily and so the first thing I want to talk about in terms of our personal spheres of influence is your people. Who are your people? Who are your friends, your family, your work colleagues? Um, in, in Mark chapter 5, uh, we have the story of uh, a man who is demon-possessed and Jesus uh, heals this man of, of this demon-possession and, and the man is just so encouraged by what Jesus has done for him. And he pleads with Jesus, please, Jesus, can I go with you? And Jesus responds to this man. He says, no, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. 
in a way, Jesus is saying, well, I've got my people and you've got your people and you guys, you've got your people and we are to go home to those people and to tell them what? Tell them our testimony. Tell them what God has done. Not to, to be, be bashing them over the head, but to, to be speaking of the, the truth. He has had mercy on you. What has he done in your life? What difference has Jesus made in your life? So as you go home from here, you go to your people and you tell them what Jesus has done for you. You have people in your life. And it's the same with us. Um, Joe and I probably have a different scenario to most people in that we homeschool. Um, and so we don't have that school sphere of influence. And my work is the church, so I don't have a... a, a uh, church, a, a business or a work location that's, that's different. And, but we do have our people. And I was thinking about this. Joe um, runs a business from home. And as part of that, we get a lot of posts in and out with packages and couriers that come. And we've got one courier from a Australia Post who, who knows us because <laughs> he's coming pretty much daily. And, and he got to know the kids because the kids are always out playing soccer or cricket. And he's, and he's such a lovely, warm-hearted guy that he's, hey, kids, how are you going? Are you, you playing cricket? And, you, you know, and, and the kids start talking and interacting with him about their, their soccer team and whether they won that week or not. And, and, and he remembers and he asks them questions and got to the point so much so that uh, he was cleaning out his closet and he came across some soccer books and we were walking down the street and he was driving his van and he stopped and he said, hey, kids, I thought you might be interested in these, these soccer books. And so the kids were just amazed by this and they, they wanted to know what his name was, so they got to know his name. And, you know, he, he may not be a family member, he may not be uh, a worker in, in my vineyard, but he is one of my people He's one of my people, my ikios. He's under the covering of my boundary. So I want to ask you, who are your people? Who are your people? Secondly, your places. God has placed you in a place. It's not an accident that you live where you live or you go to school where you go to school, or you go to work where you go to work, or you go to play where you go to play. We have regular places that we interact with people. Now, our home is obviously our number one place where we reside. Normally, uh, I know we have retired people or young people who don't have jobs. Work place would be our number two. Some, for some of you who uh, bring up kids at home, Number one and number two would be the same thing. But I've heard it said this, your vocation is your ministry location. Your vocation is your ministry location. You don't see your job as just something that you go to do, but as a ministry opportunity. It is a sphere of influence in your life as you engage uh, with those uh, in work colleagues or business associates uh, as you interact with them. This is the marketplace ministry. If we look throughout the scriptures, the majority of Jesus' ministry was in the marketplace. He was out and about 
uh, healing people, having parties, uh, visiting people, and his interactions in the marketplace was where the activity was of God was happening. And it's where other people saw what God was up to and who he was. Predominantly, Jesus' ministry was not behind closed doors, but in the marketplace for people to see. And so it should be too with us. Uh, Paul took this, and as he, uh, in his ministry endeavours in Acts chapter 16, while Paul was in Athens, that's the, the, where he sees the, the, the unknown God idol, he reasoned in the synagogues both with the Jews and God-fearing Greeks, and it says, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happen to be there. You know, God happens to put people in the marketplace, uh, in our places of influence, day by day. Um, We had a, a prayer meeting on Thursday night that was a wonderful time together and uh, I got a I got a, a sense and a word from the Lord and as I was preparing last night I felt like I should should share it with you and because it fits in here so wonderfully and I got a picture of uh, where Jesus says I am the sheep gate and I looked up the passage it's in John 10 and it's the famous uh, lines we might know, John 10.10, 10, the thief came to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life in all its fullness or life in abundance. And sometimes we, we, we hear that scripture and we think life in abundance or life in all its fullness. What does that mean? It means blessings. It's, it means goodness. It means uh, happiness. Life in all its glory and, and, and wonder. But as we look at the context that that, um, that scripture, that saying is, is given in, Jesus is talking about being a sheep gate. And he says that um, to come, um, oh, no, I won't read it. Um, the, the sheep used to have a, um, a wall, a, like a square wall with, a, with a, a hole in it that the shepherd would lay across at night and to protect himself uh, to protect the sheep from from wolves, and and Jesus says it's through me through the gate that you come into salvation. Uh, we might come into the the church community, into the body of Christ. We come through Jesus, but he also then says, and it's also through Jesus that you go out and find pasture. You see, sheep weren't designed to just live in a pen and be protected. They're designed to go out and eat grass. And, and have their fill. And so it is with us. We're not just designed to just come in and be protected and for life to be all that great, but we're also called to go out. And there's this phrase in, in that passage in John 10, 10 where Jesus says there is a coming and a going. There is a coming in and then there is a going out. There is a coming in and then there is a going out. And it's in that context that Jesus says, I've come that you might have life in all its fullness. And I wonder if what he's saying is life in all its fullness is not just in the church. It's not just in, in singing songs, but it's in the fullness of going out. It's in the fullness of finding pasture, of, of coming and going. 
of having our fill, of, of, of being effective in, in the world around us. And so there's this sense of, of coming and going. And maybe some of us are looking for life. Maybe we're looking for the answers to, to give us that abundant, full life. And, and maybe we're looking in the church. And yes, we find it in the church. But maybe it's, we don't have that full abundance because we're not going out. We've got the coming in, but we don't have the going out, the place where, where we are. We all have places in our lives. Do you know that your iPhone knows where you go? Some of you might be scared by that. Um, if you have location services turned on, your, your phone monitors where you go through the GPS. And I found this out uh, a couple of years back that you can go into your settings and your phone will tell you the most common places that you go. And it will tell you the address. Some of you are looking very <laughs> like scared. So I did that as I was preparing for today. I thought, well, we've got places. Now, on my list of my most visited places was my home. Obviously, that's... Oh, you, you beat me to it. <laughs> Se- secondly was this place. Not surprising. Third most visited place was Bunnings Marion. Probably not so surprising, right? Not so surprising. We all have places that we go. We have have people in our lives and we have places. Sometimes we might not know how often we go to a place. Is that a place of influence that God is calling you to live out? In fact, as I was thinking about Bunnings Marion... Straight away, what came to mind was a lady who works behind the returns desk, because I often go return stuff. <laughs> and, and she knows me. And she, and she often, because she knows me, because I'm there quite often. But often I've got my kids in tow, and she'll interact with the kids again. And, but sometimes I go, and I don't have the kids with me, and she'll ask, oh, where are your kids today? What are your kids up to today? There's someone who works there who knows me. I wonder if God is calling me to work in that relationship because it's a place that God has given me. And so what are your places? You're all going to get on your iPhone after the sermon, aren't you, and find out what your places are. Where are your places? And thirdly, your passions. God wants to use your passions. Now, what do I mean by that? See, I think we have two areas of passions in our life. There, there are the, the, the kind of earthly things that we're passionate about. Some of us might be into bike riding or, or art or um, building woodwork or um, gardening. No, we have, we have passions. And maybe God wants to use those passions to actually reach out and to, to build into things. But then there's the spiritual godly passions that God puts in our hearts, the passions that, that he has, whether it be a, a new ministry opportunity or a, 
or a um, connecting with with young people in in youth ministry, or uh, you want to just reach out. You've got a passion in your heart that God puts there. God wants to use your passions to influence those around you. See, I believe the church should not be built on the pastor's ideas. Hallelujah, some of you are saying. Otherwise, it would just be be Bunnings. (laughs) No. Church should not be built on the pastor's ideas, but on people's passions. Church shouldn't be built on the pastor's ideas, but on the people's passions. In Psalm chapter 37, the psalmist says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what does it mean by that? Does it mean that God will give you uh, all the things that you want, um, prosperity, wealth, um, great cars and houses or whatever it is? No, that's not what the writer is saying. As we take delight in the Lord, as we love God with all our heart, mind and strength, then we love our neighbour as ourselves. As we delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And as we love God with everything, we start to love what God loves. We start to desire the things that God desires. And so when it talks about giving the desires of your heart, it's actually the God desires that he puts in your heart, those spiritual passions. In, in another way, God doesn't give you what he want, what you want. He gives you the the, the want. I say that again. God doesn't give you what you want. He gives you the want. He gives you the heart. He gives you the passion to love what he loves. I've always loved this quote: "Love God and do what you want." Love God and do what you want. In other words, if we're loving God, the things that we want to do are the things that line up with his character and his mission and work in the world. So love God and do what you want. He'll give you the passions of your desires. As I look back on my life, one of my biggest passions is music. And it was a joy for God to use that uh, as I I was in a punk rock band and we had a huge influence uh, in Australia to be able to take uh, the message of Jesus into pubs and clubs. And I, I would never have believed if you had said when we first got together as three guys trying to work out our instruments of what God was going to do. But God used our passions to influence those around us. What are your passions? So... Whatever your passion is, though, remember from Ephesians. I prepared this last night and I got up in the morning and my verse of the day on my phone was this. And I was like, thank you, Lord, that you're with me in this, that you are God's handiwork or workmanship, it says in a different translation, or masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. You're a handiwork and you are created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to do. God has prepared for you spheres of influence to go out and influence with his love 
and he's prepared them in advance for you to do. So I'm going to invite the band up and we're just going to sing the chorus of one song. And as we do that, whoa, don't worry about that. As we do that, I wonder if you might dwell this morning on who your people are. Who are the people in your life that Jesus is calling you to love? Where are the places in your life? Perhaps you might be surprised that there's a new place, a new mission field maybe, that God is calling you to make a difference in. And what are the passions that God's placed in your heart to actually outwork this loving where we're at? How do we love where we're at? By using the passions in us. So as we sing this song, and you might have already started to dwell, I'm just going to pray now that the Holy Spirit would maybe bring a name to mind of someone who's your people. Maybe bring a place to mind that is an opportunity that is opening up. Or maybe rebirth a passion that's there but has been unable to to get out that he might want to use to share that love and to make a difference in the world around us. So Holy Spirit, we just pray that as we sing this next song and as we sing this line that says to take your love to those around us. Lord, we know that you've placed people in our house. We have a, an ikios, a household. We have a sphere of influence that are our people. Lord, who are the people that you're putting in our, in our lives that you're asking us? Lord, is there a name? Is there a face that's coming to mind now that you'd give us the boldness to go and speak to and to go and love with your love? Is there a place? Is there a, a room in a, in a building, in a business? Is there a, a place that I interact in a sports club? that you're bringing to mind right now. And Lord, is there a passion in my heart that is burning, that is placed there by you, that as I love you with everything that is in me, that you give me that desire and you enable me to, again, be bold, to stand out and use it to proclaim your love. For your love is what's going to change a life. Not my words, not my, my actions, but it's your grace, your mercy, your truth and your love that impacts someone. Lord, may I take that away from me today into the world around us in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand to sing. Holy, there is no one like
thank you for today. Thank you for the reminder, God, that you love to work through your people. And we just need to come to you with an openness of heart, just available, Lord, just to share your love and your kindness and your goodness to those around us. So go with us this week, Lord. May our eyes be open to the people and the opportunities in front of us each day. And we thank you for today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that brings us to a close this morning for our service. Thank you for being here. If anyone would like prayer for anything, there will be some people in the prayer room who would love to pray with you and talk with you. Just a quick reminder about RSVPing for any of those events, if you'd like to be involved in them. And don't forget to grab an envelope and a little brochure about the Alice Springs uh, Church. Um, be wonderful to get behind them. Have a wonderful day and week, and God bless. Thank you.